We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fucking ball. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. A little bit of quick housekeeping before we get into today's episode. Uh, as you folks know, we have been covering Ted Lasso in the show for the past few months. Those rewatches come at you every Thursday now. Uh, me and Alex McDaniel breaking down season two. We'll be hitting you on this Thursday with a special guest breaking down episode five, uh, Rainbow, which was just stunning. Uh, big thanks to everyone who is is checking out those recaps. And then on Mondays, getting back into, uh, for a lot of it, getting back into the the sports movies, what this podcast was originally founded on, and uh, putting a lot of those choices back into the hands of our, our patrons at the Big Screen Sports Patreon. Shout out to our producer patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Christine, and Kevin Frost. The patrons picked The Longest Yard, which was an episode that, that me and my buddy J.R. Hickey did last week uh next month it looks like the patrons are leaning toward the greatest game ever played there is still time in that vote and then uh, on this on this show once a month i'll usually do a non-sports movie and i have put that up to a vote for the patrons as well i figured why not let them choose and right now that is leaning almost famous so if you have big problems with the greatest game ever played or almost famous you might want to jump in and vote you can go to patreon.com slash big screen sports to do that. It helps you. You can support the show, which is great. I, I appreciate everyone who supports the show. Uh, like I said, vote on movies, patron choice topics, AMA questions. Uh, you get Discord access and most importantly, stickers. Everyone loves stickers. Now, for today's episode, like I said, we were covering, uh, we've been covering, talking a lot of Ted Lasso. It's it's taken up um, taking up a lot of this podcast time, taking up a lot of the Twitter timeline. Everyone loves Ted Lasso, and especially today's guest. Uh, I have been a, a fan of his, his Ted Lasso tweets from afar. He is a writer for the Boston Globe. Huge Ted Lasso fan is Chad Finn. Chad, thanks so much for joining Big Screen Sports. Hey, thanks for having me on, Kyle. We're uh, huge fans of you and Alex on the pod. I always listen to my my uh, 14-year-old son who, who 
picks up on more of the little subtle things in the show than I do when we're driving around. So it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you listening. And then I, I definitely want to dive into that. You, you sharing the show with your son, but before we get going, where can the folks follow you? Uh, check out what you have going on at the globe. Uh, Bostonglobe.com is a good spot. Uh, Boston.com and uh, at globe Chad Finn on Twitter. I'm the sports media columnist, but I also write about um, whatever happens to be going on in Boston sports at the moment. And that's, uh, that's usually a lot. So um, pretty busy and uh, pretty lucky to be covering this scene up here. But frankly, my my entire life now is, revolves around Ted Lasso. So yeah, we're uh, we're going to be talking about the Boston Globe in a little bit for for something else. But yeah, let's let's talk Ted Lasso. It's how you and I connected. Um, what is I think everyone has experienced this show in a different way because of frankly how few people have apple plus comparatively to the you know the big streamers like netflix or even shows on hbo and when you think about shows on hbo especially now it's so so mini series centric it's like mayor of east town was was big a few months ago and that was something that you know you you kind of you caught wind of you catch it every sunday and then you know and then it's over and with ted lasso over the past year it had this you had people like like my co-host alex who yeah watched it from the get-go watched it week by week spaced out did that whole thing. You had people like me who got on way later, binged it right away the first time. And then now I'm doing the week by week thing. How did you first experience the show? Yeah, well, it's funny because I, I as a media writer, I subscribe to a lot of streaming services and then, uh, you know, get reimbursed on what I can, if I remember. Um, but generally in our household, uh, we subscribe to what my wife wants. <laughs> and she wanted uh, Apple Plus, I think, for... Um, Chernobyl when that came out uh was that was that loved, HBO love Chernobyl yeah. that was eight that was HBO but yeah, I love was, Chernobyl <laughs> I can't keep them all straight but we we got it for something and uh I said all right I see these people tweeting about Ted Lasso all the time and they tended to be the same people who are tweeting about Shit's Creek which uh we absolutely loved and kind of has the same tone to it you know uh, make, made you feel pretty good about things and uh at a time when a lot of people weren't feeling great about things and um so we we started watching that and it was people like Alex, um, Nicole Auerbach, the, the National Sports Writer of the Year, who covers everybody knows some college football and basketball. She was a big tweeter of that and I used to work with her at the Globe. So I respected their opinion on this and gave it a shot. And uh, I think from the beginning, it exceeded what you expect because uh, part of it, you go into it thinking, Okay, it's going to be similar to those promos that NBC ran where it was, you know, Sudeikis, the, the character Sudeikis was basically playing a Saturday Night Live character in the promos. Um, and you realize right away, probably from his first press conference in the first episode, that uh, it's going to be a lot deeper than this and the characters are going to be a lot more developed. So um, I I followed the advice of people like Alex and Nicole on Twitter and then um fell in love with it right away once we started watching. And so we, you know, we came to the podcast because we started looking around and say, all right, is anybody talking about this? And, uh, you know, Alex, Alex and, and you were promoting it uh, on Twitter. So that's kind of how we came to found it, find it. And uh, I think we've watched the show on repeat probably more than any other show we've ever watched other than maybe the office, which was on an endless loop in my house for the first six months of the pandemic. But uh, otherwise uh, I, I, I don't think it's being hyperbolic to say this is probably my favorite show I've ever watched. It's incredible. And like The Office had, it was on Netflix forever. And it was, The Office you can throw on pretty passively. This is a yes, show that yeah. I found 
I have found I can't throw it on passively. I always, I always dial in. It's like, cause with this show and every episode there, it seems like there's no wasted moments. Have you been able to throw this on passively or is it something that when you throw it on, you're pretty dialed in every time? No, you can't. And that's, I think that's why it's so rewatchable because you always pick up on little things along the way. And the, the other funny part that I kind of realized recently is that uh, you miss things because they're British. <laughs> you know, just, they'll say a, a little one-liner, and if you don't have the closed captioning on sometimes, or you're just uh, uh, looking, uh, you know, at uh, your phone or, or, or something when uh, when you're watching the show and trying to trying to do those two things, um, uh, you'll you'll miss things, and you pick up on them on that second, third, or fourth rewatch. I was watching. Uh, uh, rainbow again this morning and there were three or four lines just little things keely said under her breath or um uh, rebecca or, or anybody uh, that I, I didn't pick up on before i think the character i probably focus most on when he's saying something is roy because every single thing is hilarious but uh, uh, a big reason why it's so rewatchable is because there are always little elements that you miss the first time and we we were talking before we started recording that this is a show that you are watching with your 14-year-old son and and sharing that with him and i have kind of lamented my wife and i both that my our son is is 7 almost 8 probably still a little too young to get ted lasso but this is a show that i i can't wait to share with him cuz one i think it's going to age wonderfully yeah and it's such a good show about human connection and interaction i mean this is something we have beat to death on these recaps and it's it's a big example of like how to talk to people and how to be emotionally available and also, and also just connect with people. What has, what has that been like sharing that father to son and in, in that experience? Yeah, I think there are two things he takes away with it from it, just uh, from our discussions. And it's that kindness is rewarding that it comes back to you. If, if you, if you treat somebody else with respect and warmth and, consideration that uh, that 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 multiplies and and uh, it will be something that benefits as you you as well um and the other thing i think he's learned is that f-bombs are okay if they're funny uh <laughs> i don't know if we would have allowed him to watch um you know sure a, a show where a character actually swears so much and uh, around children <laughs> like roy does but uh it's hilarious and it comes from a really good place and uh has a lot of heart behind everything he says and so um, we kind of get past that point of parenting where we're like, you know what, he's, he's 14, he actually just turned 15 this week. Um, he, he, he's ready for this and he can handle, he's not going to go to school and swear at his teacher or anything like that. So um, it's, uh, it is, uh, despite some occasionally uh, adult-oriented content, um, a great thing to watch with a teenage kid. Yeah. I mean, I am, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to experiencing this with my son because I think it's going to be around for a long time um i I think kind of like the office and that this will this will live on um this is a show that future generations i would like to think will you know because like i grew up i was too you know i was too young for seinfeld but it's still something that you can come back to and you can plug right in and like this this still makes sense it's still funny it's still you know great um with you personally i think I think certain people are pulling different things that that really resonate with them with this show, certain characters, certain, you know, plot lines or anything like that. Is there anything about this show that you have pulled like me for instance, I was a single dad for a while and yeah. what Ted's going through now and and being distanced and and stuff like that. And I I think there's always something different for 
for people. And like even what Roy is going through now, trying to figure out a new chapter in your life. I think anyone has who has who has played sports or done any sort of thing like Roy, where you put a lot of your life into it and suddenly it's gone, is has tried to figure that out. Is there any are there any specific themes in this show that that have really pulled it out of you? Well, a really unexpected one. It's just sort of the, uh, I guess, the evolution of Ted, where you think he's going to be a jokey character. And, you know, he kind of is the center of it. All the other characters play off him. Um, but uh, you realize as it goes on, this is even in season one, toward the end of season one, and uh, well into season two, um, that it's okay not to be okay. And that if you uh, can acknowledge that and reach out for help and uh, talk to people about what you're feeling, that's a pathway to getting better. It should be a pathway to getting better. And uh, you don't expect that kind of thing from a, a, a show that evolved out of a soccer promo for NBC. You know, it just it's full of surprises. Um, the character development uh, is not ever predictable. I mean, you go back to uh, episode one, I think it was uh, when Keeley's introduced, she walks into the, the locker room and your immediate assumption is, OK, um, you know, girlfriend of a player. She's probably not all that bright. She's probably on Instagram all the time. Um, uh, her identity is going to be tied to her relationship with Jamie at the time. And uh, it's none of that. She's one of the brightest characters on the show. Um, she's as thoughtful and considerate of everybody else as Ted is. And it's just those constant revelations with the show, the depth of the characters. It, it makes you think that, I don't know if this is true, maybe maybe you and Alex have found this out along the way, but it feels like everything was planned out before they ever filmed anything. And not season one, the entire show. I feel like they know what the final episode of season three is going to be and how it's going to go and what ultimately happens with Ted, because it just, uh, it constantly uh, surprises you and uh, in an extraordinary kind of way. The whole show is so deliberate. Everything, yeah, yeah. you're exactly, I mean, everything is planned out. And that that goes into my next point. So you mentioned The Office recently, um, you know, Game of Thrones as well comes to mind. It shows that as it was time to wrap things up, yeah, didn't, not what you want. I, I I always argue that the the office started at peak performance and steadily kind of got worse. Um, I argue that Parks and Rec started off really bumpy and steadily got better. Actually, season really one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Season one of Parks and Rec. I, I tell people you could skip it if you want. And Different show. Goes, yeah, you can start on season two. You can even start on season three when um, Adam Scott and Rob Lowe show up, and you'll still. You'll still enjoy it and appreciate it. And I think that that show kind of steadily, maybe not steadily gets better. I think there's a there's a peak. But um, with this one, do you have any doubts in their ability to kind of land this plane? Because it does seem it's already a predetermined three seasons. Apparently, they already they have everything planned out. I feel I had no confidence in like Game of Thrones. <laughs> I thought I just none. I think I think and I was still let down. Um, but even after the, the season, the, the second to last season, it was like, uh, I don't, I, I really don't know. And, uh, this one, I feel I might be setting myself up for, for failure, but I, I have, don't have a single doubt that they are going to land this plane smoothly. Yeah. I think you got to trust the process as they uh, say in Philadelphia. Um, it's funny you cited a couple of Mike Schur shows because, uh, I'm completely with you. I, I think the uh, I think Parks and Rec had a higher career batting average in the office. 
mm-hmm. because The Office was phenomenal for the first three seasons. Uh, the Jim and Pam storyline, um, the Michael character, anything you wanted. And it felt like, especially after Carell left in season six, that uh, they're kind of winging it week, week to week and weren't sure who the uh, uh, center character was going to be. And Carell's irreplaceable, but you you could go back and say maybe they should just stop then, but they were just making so much money. To Parks tie it back to Boston, the office had a lot of Nomar in it. A lot of Nomar. <laughs> Nomar's my guy, so... Uh, I mean, I try. Hey, I love, I love Nomar. Nomar is the, I, I distinctly remember it's the first player ever. This is just a little flex by me that I did an accurate bomb card that I saw him come up. Oh, nice. Home run. And he hit it. And he hit it <laughs> in, back when they had the net above the, above the monster. He did it in like center field. So my yeah. first, first ever bomb card. Love Nomar, but it, the end came quick for Nomar and it kind of did yeah. the same thing for the office. Yeah, it did. That's a great analogy. And I'm going to steal that down the road because another one of my Twitter sticks is arguing that Nomar was better than Jeter with the, uh, you know, 96 to 2002 in parentheses. There is the disclaimer. You're but not wrong at all. I'm thank not you. you on it. Th- thank you, Kyle. But yeah, that's a great analogy. Uh, but yeah, back to the Mike Sure aspect of it. Um, uh, the Good Place had a set finite amount of time that they were going to run because uh, he knew that that uh, storyline could not go on forever where it started getting repetitive, where uh, viewers would start get frustrated, where that the, the characters were just sort of in this endless loop and uh, the, the, the plots would get crazier and crazier. And, and uh, it was hard enough to believe the concept as it was, but um, I, I think it was really wise to put a cap on that show when they did. And uh, you watch Ted Lasso and you 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 got to trust the writers because every single thing they've done so far hasn't met the just met the high expectations of the bar they set previously. But it, 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 I feel like it's succeeding it. Um, you know, I've seen through episode eight, but episode five to me is the uh, season two here that just came out uh, Friday morning is the best one I've seen. And I haven't seen the last four episodes or five episodes of the series uh, season, but I have complete confidence that it's just going to keep getting better and better and more fulfilling for the viewers because that's all that's happened so far. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last thing before we, before we veer into a different direction, which, uh, which Ted Lasso character are you? Uh, well, in terms of vocabulary, I'm Roy. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know. That's a good one. I mean, you, you, you got to take pieces from all of them, right? Probably. I I imagine my coworkers would say I'm like Higgins or something like that, which is just mean, but you know, he's a great home life and he seems really happy. And, uh, uh, he's uh, built a bond with his boss now after a a rocky beginning. So, uh, maybe that's it. But, uh, to me, the, the worldview most relatable is Roy just uh, scowling and swearing under my breath at everybody, but secretly caring a lot about them. That's, uh, it's probably most accurate. I think Roy's something to aspire to. I've got a, yeah, Roy is the one I aspire to. I've got a lot of the language, <laughs> the the frank intimidation factor that he has. I don't really have. I unfortunately have a ton of Nate in me. Uh that both oh Nate and I seem to be trying to trying to work on that a little bit. Uh but yeah, Roy is Roy is just a, a true lord. Uh let's take a quick ad break and then get back with some Boston movie talk. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we're back. It is time to to shift from, from Ted Lasso talk, even though I feel like I could talk about Ted Lasso forever. I Chad, you know, I, I connected with Chad because of Ted Lasso, but Chad also uh, writes for the Boston Globe and Boston itself, the city, uh, lends itself to to a particular set of movies. There is a <laughs> lot of great. I, actually, I wouldn't say a lot of great Boston movies. There is a select, like a Rushmore of Boston movies. I would say I was I was doing back some thinking. Um, and I, I listed, I could rip off my first four top Boston movies up like right away. It takes me two seconds. I'm just like this, 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 and this, and then it, and then it kind of pans out. So I wanted to, from a guy who works for the Boston globe is lives in Boston. I, I wanted to get that perspective. Do you, is there an easy top Boston movie for you? Yes. But it was, uh, one I forgot (laughs) <laughs> much to uh, my chagrin until I started thinking about it a little bit more this morning, but it, it's gotta be spotlight because gotta it's gotta be. Uh, it's the best. It's just the best. Yeah. I mean, it's about the place I work at. It's about people I worked with and uh, it was, some of it was shot at the globe. So it's, it's familiar areas. So sentimentally, I mean, we're not in that building anymore. We moved to a different building downtown. So sentimentally it's gotta be it. But I mean, one best picture, um, you know, it's kind of a, it, it's obviously a very dark topic, but uh, it's also sort of reassuring uh, for people in journalism anyway, that uh, you can get the story and get through people who are trying to obstruct you if you if you put the work in and uh, are determined and dedicated. So uh, that would be number one for me. And probably a tie for number two is all the other movies that are, are very dark, uh, but have Globe uh, delivery trucks in the background. They seem to show up in every single movie, The Departed and uh, The Town, and uh, the, the Boston Globe newspaper delivery truck seems to be a staple of background work in all the movies. So maybe it should get a, uh, a, a some sort of nomination for uh, its background work in all these movies through the years. Yeah, it does. It's like there are the certain staples in all these movies that get mentioned. Uh, Fenway Park yeah. gets brought up a lot. Obviously, the town has uh, oh, yeah. the town yeah. has the ultimate ultimate Fenway moment. You would say. Uh, not not going to spoil it for anyone who, for some reason, hasn't seen the town. But I go back to Spotlight. I have bought maybe three DVDs in the past five six years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I used to, I used to love my DVDs, love my Blu-rays. I bought spotlight on DVD because I could not risk that movie for some reason, if it gets taken off all streaming services or cause right now it's on Netflix. It's a great, it's something I love throwing on. I watched, I actually, I watched spotlight the day of my wedding. I was, I was at home alone for a little bit and I was like, I need something to make me feel good. Let me turn on <laughs> this movie about uncovering an abuse scandal in, in the Catholic church. But it, it makes me feel good, but I, I have it on DVD. So just in case for some, maybe all the streamers crash, I'll, I'll still have it. I can still, I can still watch spotlight. I am, 
I'm continually blown away by how rewatchable that movie is. Again, despite the content and despite moves so quickly. And it's just someone who was in there. It seems like, I mean, I have never been to Boston. It seems like it is very ingrained in the city and feels very authentic. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, the scenes, you know, walking around the city where they're out doing their legwork as reporters. Um, they, it's it, it, some of it is uh, obvious stuff, landmark type of stuff, and other things are areas where you you only know if you live here, which uh, really appeals to uh, the people of Boston. Um, to me, though, the, the probably the, the the authenticity of the globe itself and the newspaper itself in the uh, in the movie just it blows me away. Like a lot of the uh, a lot of their homework, the reporter's homework is done going down to the Globe Library and just going through old newspaper clippings and files and uh, talking to the librarian. I think they actually used our real librarian in that scene. And um, that was like my favorite place to go. Just, just when I had an hour to kill, when I would be in the office, just to look up the photo archive of the 1978 Red Sox. Or I remember a few years ago, I did a project on the top 50 prospects in Red Sox history um, in the draft era, it was like the 50th anniversary of the draft. And I found a photo of every single guy in our, our library uh, who was a prospect, including guys who you know, hit like 380 in single A and then didn't get out of double A. But they, they would have been really thought of, highly thought of at the time. And, um, you know, that's the institutional knowledge kind of stuff that you just can't replicate with the Internet. And uh, like I said, we're not in that building anymore. And a lot of that stuff is gone. And um, so watching that movie, uh, again, despite you know what the topic is it's uh it's almost kind of like comfort food in a, in a way and uh, that'll always no matter what other boston movies they make and i think there are a lot of good ones already that one's a pretty easy number one for me yeah i i go back to that one the departed in the town i always flip-flop it depends on kind of what i'm in the mood for um i i lean the departed Although I will lean the last set piece from the town again, we mentioned Fenway Park. That yeah, that is a very that that's thrilling. I think that I think that thrill wise, I think it outdoes anything The Departed does. But when you go back to the cast, um, I, I'm a I'm a huge Departed fan. But I, I have to ask between the town, The Departed, any other Boston movies, is there a standout? Wow, that accent is bad. I know, I know. Jack Nicholson gets a lot of gets a, gets a, gets a lot of shots fired his way. Is there? Is he the? Is he the ultimate? What the hell are you doing, man? Accent? Nah, Sheen is worse than that movie. I, th- I think Martin Sheen's the worst one, and uh, Baldwin's not great. And you know what's funny is Damon and Wahlberg aren't that great either. They both kind of overdid it a little bit. Damon, I mean, Damon naturally talks that way. Um, yeah, and I guess Wahlberg does too. He. Uh, not quite to the degree that he did when he was Marky Mark, but um, yeah, there's some of those are just so bad. And I, I think, I think it goes with any accent, any dialect you're trying to nail in any movie. If you can't get it close to right, just don't bother. Just, you know, just kind of talking your normal way. And uh, uh, the town had, uh, had, quite, I mean, the, the departed probably had the record for the most bad ones. And I think the best one, not surprisingly, uh, was probably Affleck and Affleck and Goodwill Hunting. Just, you know, it's it, that movie, uh, which probably would be number two and the argument for number two for me. Um, it, it uh, Affleck and Damon in that movie really captured what it was kind of like to be sort of a young, aimless uh, Boston kid trying to figure out uh, 
where you're going to go with your life. Yeah, the scene at the uh, at the construction site when he talks about the the best moment Perfect. of his day, walking up just just incredible. You you feel like you you are dialed into these dudes are actually from right here. Oh come on, why, why is it always this? I mean, I fucking owe it to myself to do this or that. What if I don't no, want to? No, 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 no. Fuck you. You don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. Because tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and I'll be fifty. And I'll still be doing this shit. That's all right. That's fine. I mean, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. You're too much of a pussy to cash it in. And that's bullshit. Because I'd do fucking anything to have what you got. So would any of these fucking guys. It'd be an insult to us if you're still here in 20 years. Hanging around here is a fucking waste of your time. Yeah, I think that was real. You know, I think that's how, I mean, you know, Damon went to Harvard and, and Affleck uh, went to Vermont for a little bit before going out to Hollywood. And obviously they were bright guys and, you know, weren't robbing banks in, in uh, you know, the South End or anything like that. But um, those certainly seemed like experiences they actually lived through. Casey Affleck, I, 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 I meet a person every day who was like Casey Affleck's <laughs> character in that movie. So um those guys knew the uh knew the terrain for that one the uh the snl skit it's not a skit, it's one of like the film things but is casey affleck is the Dunkin duncan's <laughs> duncan i i watch it like once a month and it just it it makes me howl every single time i watch it yeah that was one of their best skits in years and uh you know the the best jokes are the ones that are uh probably what 99.9 percent accurate and that one was <laughs> that yeah. one uh that one hit a, hit home for a lot of people. Yeah, comedy is funny when there's authenticity behind it. I want to leave you with, I, I we've got to talk about a sports movie before we get out of here. And this is one that I think catches a ton of flack from people in Boston, people in general. Very, Uh-oh. I would say, guilty pleasure of mine. Although, you know, I there is that thinking of pleasure should never be considered guilty pleasures, but it's a movie that is objectively not great, but... You gotta from a from the a Boston guy, a guy who writes up about the Red Sox. Uh, tell me what your reaction to Fever Pitch the first time you saw it. Uh, I got Roy, uh, I got Roy Kent's uh, vocabulary running through my head again. <laughs> it, first of all, the best Boston movie is the 2004 World Series documentary. I think we all know that, but um, just the fact that Fallon, who sucks, who ruined every skitty, who tried to ruin every skitty who's in on Saturday Night Live. And Drew Barrymore, who, all right, she's cool, fine. They got to go on the field when the Red Sox won the World Series. Uh, they're climbing over the fence in center field. And that moment, Red Sox fans have been waiting for their entire lives. And, um, you know, it'd be cool if, you know, Fallon was actually a Red Sox fan. I think he's kind of a quasi-Mets fan, if I remember heard at the time. But he doesn't seem like much of a baseball guy anyway. But, um, yeah, that that movie uh, it had some nice touches. I remember there was a scene where, Fallon's character is going through his closet and it's like these uh, retro t-shirts of like George Scott, Jim Rice, Fred Lynn, Butch Hobson. No, that's a, that's a nice touch. You can tell that uh, the Fairley brothers and uh, the people who wrote that movie were really Red Sox fans, but they did Red Sox fans no justice with the casting in that movie. And uh, uh, you know, the book fever pitch and the soccer version of it's phenomenal. Nick Hornsby's book, but uh, that, uh, that is not a, a good replica of it at all. No, I mean, the movie gets saved. Fallon and Barrymore have good chemistry. You could argue there was there was probably a lane for Fallon to put together a couple more like so-so rom-coms before he got the, the Tonight Show gig and kind of shifted his career. But 
it would have been interesting to see what it was like with, I mean, you're not getting Matt Damon to do that movie, but like an actual, like a Boston guy who, yeah, if you get like, what was, what was Casey? Although seeing, thinking about Casey Affleck in a rom-com is tough. Um, but, uh, someone, the first name I thought of. Yeah. That's the first one I thought of too. Yeah. That'd be be kind of interesting to see him in that, but yeah, someone, someone not Fallon and like two actual, and I mean, Barrymore's character was so oblivious to baseball, despite living in Boston. They're just like, come, <laughs> right. come on. But I still, I think, uh, I think I covered it on the podcast uh, earlier this year, and I think I gave it an all-star just because the, uh, I mean, it's one of those ones, like it's on TV all the time. It's, you know, I, I like the chemistry. It's, if I lived in Boston, I would, I would probably feel differently, but Chad, this was, this was great. I appreciate <laughs> you giving me the chance to talk about Ted Lasso and spotlight on the same podcast. That is a, that is a dream for me. Tell the folks where they can follow you. Check out your work. Yeah. Bostonglobe.com. And, uh, I'm always on Twitter tweeting about, uh, nothing related to my job on that. <laughs> like I probably should. So, um, yeah, I'm at uh, globe Chadfin uh, on Twitter and, uh, a lot of fun talking to you, man. I love, I love the pod. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about episode five because I've decided it is my number one. It's some of my favorites. So can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. That's a decision I'm going to have to make in the next in the next few days. Am I going to come out and, and stake that flag? But yeah, everyone follow Chad for some Ted Lasso takes. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell me what you think about the Ted Lasso rewatch. Again, on Thursday, covering episode five of season two of Ted Lasso, Rainbow. It's me, Alex McDaniel, and a very special guest. And then we'll catch you again next Monday. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.